Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talk Clutter to Me. I was just asked by a client recently what kinds of things I hoard. Now, I believe that everybody is a hoarder on some level, on some scale, so everybody, you know, there's always that one thing you can't have enough of. And it really made me think, and we talked about it a lot, and it made her feel so much better to know that it wasn't just her, that even me as a pro organizer, I have something that I hoard in my life as well. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about what clutter is, we're going to talk about common things people hoard, things that me as a pro organizer hoards, and then let's talk about some tips and things that we can do to maybe curb our hoarding tendencies. So let's dive in. So what is clutter? So I will go into depth more on this in a different episode, but today we're going to talk about physical clutter because that is the one thing that most of us understand is physical clutter. And it's the items and the things in our lives that's not serving its purpose or no longer being utilized the way they're meant to be utilized or utilized at all, really. So it can be that 10th spatula in the kitchen that's shoved in the back of the drawer or that t-shirt from your high school concert that you've kept all these years. Whatever it might be, it's clutter and it's not serving its purpose. It's wasted space that you could be using for something else that you want to be using it for. So that is what clutter is. And so that kind of helps guide us into these hoarding tendencies. Now, not everybody is actually a hoarder, so let's talk about the difference between hoarders and hoarding tendencies. Hoarders are people who are diagnosed by a therapist that they are a hoarder. They need help both psychologically via the therapist, but also they need help with their spaces a lot, hence the TV show we all know about hoarders. People with hoarding tendencies are people who generally like to keep a specific item or thing in their home. And I think everybody has a level of hoarding tendencies in their life. Um, for somebody who loves to cook, your hoarding tendency could be pots or pans or spatulas. For somebody like me, which we'll talk about later, like it could be office supplies or binders. Um, for somebody who is a mechanic, it could be sockets and wrenches could be your hoarding thing. You don't need seven sets of it, but for some reason you feel like you want to keep and hold on to every single set that you come into contact with. So that's kind of the difference between hoarders and people with hoarding tendencies. And I think everybody has a level, they're somewhere on the spectrum of having hoarding tendencies. And if they're ready to move forward with not having these hoarding tendencies anymore, It's A, recognizing it, and then figuring out what steps can we do to pull them back from those hoarding tendencies a little bit. So now we know what clutter is and what we consider kind of hoarding is, let's talk about the things that I find when I go into people's homes and things that people tend to hoard. These are going to be things that are very common, and I wanted to put it out there so that everybody knows and understands that if you hoard any of these things, you are not alone. These are very common things that I find that people hoard, okay? And some of the common stuff is handbags and purses, 
jewelry, uh, tools. Kids love to hoard their toys and those super cheap, itty-bitty, nicky-nacky looking things that they get out of, like, the gumball machine looking things. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, electronic cords for different, like, small little gadgets. And uh, sentimental items is another thing people tend to hoard a lot of. Notebooks. You're not alone if you hoard notebooks. And last but not least, hobby stuff. So if you have a hobby such as knitting, crocheting, painting, drawing, you tend to have a lot of it. And it tends to clutter up a lot. So everybody is probably looking to hear what Amanda hoards. As a professional organizer and a huge minimalist, what in the world can Amanda be hoarding in her life? I want to start with something that I used to hoard, and after a few years, I no longer hoard anymore, but it took me a little bit of time because I was doing it on my own. I was trying to tell myself on my own to not hoard it. And it was binders. I love a good empty binder. And I had like 10 of them. They were all empty, not being used. And I kept telling myself I would give myself the excuse of keeping them as they're expensive and I'll probably use them one day. So why get rid of it just to purchase it again? And um, when I realized that it was just kind of cluttering my space and I needed to downsize more and they were being unused, they were literal clutter in my life, but it was very hard for me to get rid of them. And so it did take me a, a couple of years to actually work up to getting rid of most of those binders because I had to literally prove to myself that um, I didn't need them. Now I know better. And now I can take my knowledge and experience and help people not have to take years to get organized and downsize and let go of things that they truly love. Another thing I used to uh, hoard was planners and notebooks. I loved a good notebook and I would do different notebooks for different things and I loved having a paper planner as much as it was only used for just a few months of the year and then just completely forgotten about. It looked pretty in January and half of February, but uh, it was not a good organizing option for me, a paper planner, unfortunately. So it had to go, and it made me feel so much lighter. Now I have a very structured place for empty binders. I did not get rid of all of them. I do have two empty binders, but they have a very structured spot in my life, and we'll talk about that in the tips section. I'm not really a sentimental kind of person, so you're not going to find that I hoard sentimental items at all. Uh, I have two yearbooks, my kindergarten and my senior yearbook. Those are the only two yearbooks I have. I am very minimal in the things that I keep, and I'll even go to the point of saying I'm just going to take a picture of it because I don't need the physical thing anymore. I actually took all of my uh, trophies, my sports trophies that I had from when I did martial arts as a kid. Instead of having all the bulky trophies, I ended up actually taking all the little placards off of the trophies and putting the placards themselves into a shadow box so that it took up a tenth of the space that the trophies actually took up. 
I think if there was one other thing that I could say that I hoard, it is going to be tools. I really like a good tool. And it's somewhat hoardy, somewhat not, because each tool has a different purpose. Each tool makes doing a specific job easier. So there is a reason why I have a normal drill and an impact drill driver. Even though they look very similar and do very similar things, they do very different things and they're used in different ways. So from the outside perspective, it could look like it's hoarding, but from an inside perspective on somebody who knows tools, you totally understand why you would need both or why you need standard and metric sockets. So tools is one of those that I've learned and I've come around to the fact of knowing it's good to have different kinds of stuff to do different things. Instead of trying to make the one thing work for four things, it's better to have two or three tools that can be more specialized in what they're doing. Just like you would not hire me to clean your house. I am not good at cleaning a house. I'm really good at the systems and having you downsize, but I'm not good at cleaning. So you want to have somebody that specializes in what you need. Same thing with a tool. You want it to specialize in what you need it for. Let's take a quick break and talk about this podcast real quick. Uh, this podcast is super new. Talk clutter to me. It's all about wanting to bring you guys in on my journey about organizing what it's like for me, give you the inside scoop, and bring along some other business owners. And so if you or you know anybody who would love to be a guest on this podcast, please let me know. They can send me an email at easylifeorganizing at gmail.com. And I would really love to invite some more people onto this podcast. I've got a couple different people already lined up to do interviews. So I'm thinking this will just post once a month for right now until I start to get into the swing of things. But I would really love to bring everybody in on this wonderful new thing that I'm doing. Step number one is they actually have to be ready and come to terms with getting rid of the items that they are hoarding or the clutter themselves. You cannot force somebody to get rid of something that they are especially hoarding. If you're a mom, if you're a daughter, a son, a brother, and you're trying to get somebody in your life to realize that they are hoarding something like pots and pans or they're obsessed with couponing, you cannot tell them, and I mean you can, but you're going to just push them further and further away. Imagine somebody telling you, hey, you've got a really bad problem with yarn. You have so much yarn and you never use any of it. Why don't you get rid of some of your yarn? Now that sounds kind of passive and nice, but to them, it's going to sound like you're judging them and you are going to actually push them further away. They're going to become defensive about it. Say, no, 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 I need that yarn. I spent good money on that yarn. It's not going to go to waste. It's just sitting there. And you're going to push them further away. So they really need to come to terms with it themselves to start this process. Now we're ready. Step number two is creating a confined physical barrier system 
for the item or items that they are hoarding. For example, me and my binders. I had way too many binders and I told myself, Amanda, you have this cube bin and this is the only space that you're allowed to have binders is in this cube bin. That's it. And you've got to follow your own personal rules on it. You can't stray away from it. You got to follow the rules. In giving yourself a confined space, you're telling yourself, I can only fit this much. And if I get more, I have to make decisions. Very similar to a one in, one out rule. You have to make some decisions because you've given yourself this rule of this is my confined space and that's it. With the example of sentimental items, a really great way is to create a bin or a tote for each individual person, whatever size, whatever shape fits your space that it's being stored in, but create a physical bin for each person for them to store their sentimental things. For me, I actually instead have folders in my filing area. I don't really have a lot of big physical sentimental items, really. Um... It's mostly stuff that could just fit in a file folder, honestly. That's how not sentimental I am. But create a bin, and that gives you a physical space for the sentimental items. And as it starts to fill up, right, we need to then take things out, make decisions on them, because, again, you're confined to your one bin. Now, what do we do with our kids' bins? As they get older, if you have a bin that's from the age of one, let's say, how are you supposed to fit so many years into one bin? And the answer becomes, as they get older, you can involve them into the decision-making process. Maybe make it a twice-a-year thing where you pull the bin out and you say, here's all the new stuff we want to put in the bin. Here's what we have in the bin right now. Let's make some decisions on what you want to keep in your bin. And that way it doesn't make you feel like the bad guy for getting rid of those 10 drawings that they did in kindergarten. And it makes them feel empowered to get rid of things and make those positive choices now so they're not left with it when they're 20 years old out of the house and have to deal with it. Nobody wants to deal with it then. So if we can deal with it in small increments now, I promise you, your kids will thank you in the future. Now the next step is to be okay with getting rid of the things that are really not serving its purpose. Just like those sentimental items, they tend to be china, silverware, that crystal vase that you got, your grandmother got you for your wedding. They're not serving its purpose or being utilized by sitting in a cardboard box in your basement. They're not meant to be doing that. And I'm sure if it was a beautiful gift from somebody or if your grandmother could talk to you right now, she would either tell you to use it or get rid of it, right? What's the point in having really nice china if you're not going to use it? Even if it is just a couple times a year, use it. So if it's not serving its purpose, it's okay to get rid of it. Even if it means letting go of something beautiful and cherished. If that's what you want to do, if you really come down to terms with, no, I really do need to keep these because I want them to go to my kids one day and you just want to keep passing along, sure, 
maybe when your kids are old enough, you can have that conversation of whether you do want to pass it along. But I encourage you, if you do keep it, utilize it in some way, shape, or form in your life to where it's just not sitting in a box in the basement collecting dust. Pull it out once a year for Thanksgiving instead, at the very least. The next thing that it's okay to get rid of is gifts that you never used. There's a lot of times people get gifts from other people. They have the best of intentions, but the items never get used. So they stay in their original packaging. They just never get used. They get shoved underneath the dresser or in the back of the closet. It's okay to get rid of those things. And you shouldn't feel obligated to keep those things just because they were a gift. The person got it for you as a gift in hoping that you would love it and use it. I'm sure most of us, if we went and asked the person who gave it to us, I'm like, hey, I haven't used this in three years. Am I okay to get rid of it? They'd probably look at you like you were crazy and tell you, yes, please get rid of it. If Why haven't you used it? And why have you kept it for so long? I think you're crazy for keeping something that you're not using or don't like. So donate it, re-gift it. We got to get over this whole thing about re-gifting things. Granted, we don't want to re-gift something back to the person that gave it to us. That's kind of rude and weird. But re-gift it to somebody else that you know that might enjoy it. I just got a swag piece from a recent trip I went on. I personally didn't want it. But I knew somebody in my life that would want it. And so I took it home still and I just re-gifted it. I didn't want it, but I knew that they would love it and they did love it. So let's let's embrace this whole re-gifting thing instead of keeping all these gifts that nobody really wants in their lives. The last tip for somebody who's really, really having a hard time getting rid of something that they hoard is create a temporary box. This box is something that you put the items, the extra items into, and you put this box somewhere that is difficult to get to. For example, if you love baking pans, you bake a lot, but you do have five of the same baking pans, I will probably tell you you only need two in reality because that's what you'll use at a time before you do dishes again, but you really want to keep these other three. Put them in your temporary box. And what we do is we put the temporary box somewhere, usually in the basement, somewhere that's like kind of difficult to get to, but you know where it's at in case you need it. That way you set a timer or you set an event in your calendar that says three months from now, if I haven't used these items, I'm going to donate them. It does push off making those decisions, but it can be easier to get rid of things that we hoard in our lives if we can kind of put off that decision. We make a small decision now and then we can prove to ourselves in those three months that you really don't need those items. And maybe you surprise me and maybe you do peel out a couple of items, but I'm gonna be willing to guess that the majority of the items in your temporary box, you're never gonna use. Or better yet, you're gonna find more creative ways to use the things you already have to avoid going into the creepy basement. And finally, my last tip really with this topic is it's okay to keep some of the stuff. Like we talked about with the physical limitations, it's okay to keep some of the stuff. It's really hard to quit smoking cold turkey. 
Some people can, but not everybody. So it's really a lot easier for most people to lessen up the reins on their hoarding tendencies if they know they can keep some of it. We want to create ways for you to feel empowered through it without feeling like it's a complete shock to your life. So if you have 10 empty binders, get rid of five and then like feel how it is to live with just five empty binders for a few months. Then maybe think, okay, well, maybe I don't need five. Actually, I didn't touch any of them. So maybe I keep three and just kind of keep working from there with people who have hoarding tendencies for certain items specifically. If you're somebody who has general clutter, it's a little bit different. If you have hoarding tendencies for something specific, taking our time can be a lot easier to kind of get you into the right mindset. If you have hoarding tendencies, but you are at a point where I'm just so done with it all, just get it all out of my life, more power to you. I will embrace that every single day. But I don't also want to see you go back on it and in two months see that you have five binders again. I'm going to be like, what the heck, Amanda? I thought we talked about you didn't need all these binders. Yeah, well, I found a good sale. No, no, and no. Good sales are what drives us down that hole of having more stuff in our lives. And if you say and you tell yourself, it's okay to hoard this because I got it at a really good discount. Sorry, I hit my phone. I'm just really amped up on this. It's not okay. Do not give yourself the excuse to purchase again in the future. That's why I tell people to just take a a little bits at a time when it comes to certain things that they have hoarding tendencies on. So, in recap, hoarding tendencies, everybody has hoarding tendencies in some way, shape, or form with something in their lives. Whether it's binders, or clothes, or tools, people tend to have some sort of hoarding tendencies. And it's okay, until it's not okay. And then we talked about some tips on ways to kind of curb those hoarding tendencies. And the first step really is to make sure you're in the right mindset and you're ready to make the change. Can't force somebody, you have to be ready. The second tip is to create a physical limit and stick to that physical limit that you give yourselves to collect whatever that item might be. The third tip is it's okay to get rid of things that are not serving its purpose or not being used. Even if it is that nice china from great grandmother, it's okay. The third tip, or that was the third tip. The fourth tip is it's okay to re-gift. You don't need to keep something even though it was a gift from somebody else. We can re-gift it. The fifth tip and the final tip is take it a little bit of step at a time. If it is a real hoarding tendency that you have, it's going to be easier and it's going to last longer if you take small steps into it instead of just throwing them all out at one time. Take your small steps and work your way into it so that you're not tempted to get those items again. I guess I had a sixth tip in there as well of doing your temporary box. Do the temporary box on things that you think you might use but are not ready to just straight up donate right now. Put it somewhere that's difficult to get to 
That way you can really find creative ways to use the items you have readily accessible. Thanks for joining me and listening to this episode of Talk Clutter to Me. As always, if you know somebody or you yourself would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me at easylifeorganizing at gmail.com. Next time, we are going to have Chris Cates from Dumperoo, who owns a junk removal and trash business in the Lansing area. And we are going to talk about how we help each other out in elevating people's organizing lives and what it's like to have a business. And spoiler alert, me and Chris both come from the automotive industry. So it is a very fun time when me and him get a chance to hang out and talk about our experiences in automotive manufacturing and how that has kind of formed our existing businesses we have today. Thanks again, and I look forward to talking with you guys soon. Bye. Thank you.